At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome, everybody, to Finding Hermes. I hope, uh, as always, we'll give you the means to walk through those doors and lay your cards on the table, because these are strange times, and uh, we need that gnosis more than ever. And I am truly honored and happy to have an individual who has informed my life and influenced and helped me through these uh apocalyptic times and as she will say by apocalyptic we mean the veil is lifting and that is jessa reed jessa thanks for coming on finding hermes hello thank you for having me you're so good at intros <laughs> uh, some people might disagree i don't know but uh it's gotta be done it's just gotta be done i mean uh it's sort of a catharsis for me when I do my intros, and uh, it has helped out. Um, and so what are you doing these days, Jess? I keep uh, bookmarked a lot of your podcasts and YouTube videos when I need, uh, I want to, you know, some assistance with addiction or manifesting or other things that, again, how you've really helped me out in my life. Uh, we've talked how I was list started listening to your podcast when the pandemic hit, and it was such a breath of fresh air and again it really informed me but uh you uh something i envy about you is that you as you say you pivot a lot yeah and i st i'm one of those people as we talked about, i'm a taurus i will stick with something a piece of clothing a project a person to the end of time and you just pivot how do you do that <laughs> i mean it's like you're here you're there then you disappear you're on twitter and then you disappear and now you're on patreon only right I am on uh I am on Patreon. My uh Awakening OD podcast is still on. I just don't put a lot of them out. Mm -hmm. uh, I hope to do more of them as I continue to recover. I've just got done being sick for 15 months with Lyme disease. But um yeah, I most of my adult life has been a journey of um embracing my own energy and my own way of operating in the world and uh, continuing to give myself permission to be just who I am today. And, um, you know, I stick to things that I'm into, but uh, I have, I have emancipated myself from the idea that I need to stick to things that I am no longer resonating with. So, which is a lot, that's exactly how I got clean was I just went, eh. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> we, did, we did it. You know, I, I came, I came, I saw, I methed. <laughs> wow. So it wasn't some uh, dramatic 
confession rock bottom thing like i had a couple of times in my life no it, it was it was it was somewhat absurd um <laughs> i i remember watching I, I was i mean like full shooting up meth for years and full blown just completely out of my mind lost my teeth and was um was missing for a long time. My family thought I was dead. I mean, I was out there and I, people would try to get clean a lot and they would go to detox and then they would come back and they, we would get high and then they would talk about wanting to quit. And I was always just like, I feel like you're wasting the meth. Can I just have your meth? I don't think you understand the point of this. You're going to do it. Fucking do it. You know, <laughs> don't grass cleaner. Give me the bag. You go back to detox. You're wasting this. Um, and I honestly believe that that is why I got clean on my first try because I waited until I was done. Now, granted, that's not a luxury everyone has. This was also before fentanyl. So, you know, people weren't really dying of meth. It was extremely rare. And, um, you know, it, it, there are other drugs that are more Russian roulette. Mm. And I guess they're all Russian roulette now that fentanyl is there. But nonetheless, I, you know, I do, I hate calling it life coaching, but I do some sort of personal session thing. And I get a lot of people who are afraid that they are addicted to weed mm -hmm. because they're using it too much. Uh, and, you know, I, I just don't think that a shame spiral helps anything, you know. I think if you are using something and you don't want to be using it, for me personally, my take is because food was my greatest addiction. Um, take the time that you're doing it and look into it rather than just hating yourself and judging yourself because you're far more likely to continue to do it, you know, um, and observe the experience. What am I doing here? What do I think I'm going to get out of this? Why? Why do, am I doing it? Oh, is this a fit with the with the weed specifically? Is this a physical compulsion? Have I just connected uh, talking on the phone to smoking weed, watching a movie to smoking weed? Because these are things that are pretty easy to untie. You know, what am I? Uh, or is it something deeper? Am I trying to escape? Am I contracting? Am I whatever? And kind of observing our own experience and, and reverse engineering out of it um, rather than, you know, but that's not what I did. I, I actually uh, was trying to get away from an abusive relationship. So I was moving across the country and I had arranged to have meth sent to me because meth was real regional. You couldn't get it everywhere. And when I was on the airplane, I had a moment, just a moment of clarity. And I was like, Jessa, tweakers are not going to get to the mailbox. They're just not. They're going to do your meth. You're going to buy meth. Yeah. They're going to do it. And if you do get it, what are you going to tweak by yourself in Delaware? And I literally <laughs> just went, fuck it. I'll just quit. And that was it. I mean, I did go into recovery because I needed, I needed a, you know, I went into 12 steps because I needed a place to, I needed people mm -hmm. who I spoke my language. You know, I had been really out of society for a while, but um, yeah, but that's just kind of how I am. So I, I understand, you know, I had a lot of guilt when I was in 12 steps, listening to people who are str like struggling and fighting for their lives. Cause I yeah. was like, uh, I mean, given the, the activities I participated in in the last 
um, you know, five and a half years. I mean, I, I don't think anyone would say I wasn't an addict, but I realized that I didn't maybe have, I was doing drugs because I enjoyed doing drugs. I enjoyed what they provided when I no longer needed it. I stopped doing them. And, uh, I, I, if I desired to do them again, I would do them, you know? And so it, it, I always had a little bit of guilt when people were like celebrating my clean time and whatever. Cause I was like, this is like, do you know what I mean? It's like, you, you'd be in like, congrats, you did four hours today on Instagram. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. But one thing, when I listened to your podcast about your addiction, and again, you talked about it was time you were done. You, as you said, you went out. Uh, you talked about why you went out because, uh, like many of us who are sensitive or have, for lack of better words, a third eye, you felt you didn't belong in this world, that it was all bullshit, a construct, 100% agree. But I always wonder why was you going out so different than me? Because with me, and again, I wasn't a meth head, I was a cokehead. It was painful every minute of the day, except for those few seconds where, I, where the rush would kick me, it would kick in and I'd be sweating and hallucinating and jumping up and down. And even when you came on my podcast last time, we talked about it and I still didn't understand what was so different. Of course, part of me is like, God, I want to know because then I can go out again. <laughs> of course, <laughs> part of me is always trying to, you know, rig the game. And then I realized kind of recently what it was and the difference I feel was honesty. You were honest about why you were doing it, why you were going out on the streets and so forth. But with me, I was living a complete lie and it was the lie and not being authentic that was killing me. I mean, I was, again, going out of college, having kids, having a, a job, going to church on Sundays and I was just uh, an alcoholic and a uh, drug addict. I mean, I would do things like uh, pick up my daughter at school in kindergarten and walk in. It's like, oh, hey, honey, let me go. Let me go use the bathroom. The kid's little bathroom snorting Coke on oh, the, my the sick or, you know, going to funeral. And, oh, I need to cry. It's too emotional going into the bathroom to snort Coke. But the point was it was a complete lie. And the lie was was killing me, physically killing me. And you chose you chose the path of honesty, which is amazing. How did you do it? Because drugs obviously turn everything upside down sooner or later. So I actually learned that I wanted to be an honest drug addict because I did have a year-long coke habit. Mm. And I don't know what it is about coke that makes it so conducive to exactly all the things you described, but man, did I have so many miserable experiences with doing my entire paycheck in a weekend, <laughs> oh, <man>. lying, <laughs> you know, covering it up. Oh God, all of that, that oh. I, when I started to do math, I literally ejected myself for my entire life. And that's why, you know, there were, my parents thought I was dead for a while. I was in my early twenties. I, um, I completely left my life and, and lived in a complete freedom underground, um, reality, you know, full of other meth addicts. And I didn't, I didn't have to work and I didn't have to do any of those things. And I was completely honest and there was no there was no fooling anyone into thinking I wasn't doing math. My teeth, my teeth emancipated yeah, themselves from my face. 
Um, and so, yeah, there was, yeah, there was a lot of freedom. Now that said, I really was the only person having a good time. So I, I make it sound like go do math and go through your awakening, but like nobody else had that. I think for me, I was raised by a meth addict and I had so much resentment and so much self-worth stuff based on my experiences with a mother that was addicted that I think I had to go do that in order to reconcile my childhood. And, um, and then I had to leave society because society was the biggest issue for me. It felt, I was felt like I was being gaslit by reality. So I, I wasn't walking between the worlds like you were. And a lot of people who really struggled while we were using were people who truly believed we're the bad ones, we're the outcasts of society. And I didn't believe that. I believed we are the ones who have figured it out. Everyone mm -hmm. in society is running on a hamster wheel. I don't know who's controlling it, but like they aren't, they aren't, they don't have agency. They're doing things they don't want to do. And so like I had all this like perhaps misplaced righteous <laughs> indignation, you know? And so I was just, I was at the time I was very aligned with my beliefs. I was living my truth. And then there did come a point where I had done it. I had, I, and that's the thing for me is if I've done it, if I have completed the experience, I don't have a desire to continue to do something that I have mastered and mm. I have mastered it. I did it. And so, um, I now wanted to, and I had healed a lot of my broken parts. Once again, not most people's experience on math. Um, and so I was ready to embrace, like I, I had gotten to a place where I was like, I could be myself in that society without becoming a cog in the wheel. And so then that's what I went and did. But that, you know, that was a, I had been pondering it, I think for like six months, I had been like, could I go back? You know, the, the meth got bad, you know, mm -hmm. the, the government had cracked down. So that also helped. Yeah, yeah. It just it was it was time, but again, you kept your you kept your self honesty, your self knowledge. You were still you were still working uh, working it, and I, I love that part where you talked about how you you met your dad, and your dad simply said, "Maybe Jessa, maybe it's time to do something different or take another option." And you were like, "Oh yeah, I can take another option again. I can pivot to a different adventure in my life if I want to." Yeah. Well, my dad said was brilliant because I had to get dentures. So he paid, I hadn't seen him in six years. He paid for the top ones and then said, you have to visit me before you get the bottom ones. So I went out mm -hmm. and visited for two weeks, ran out of drugs because I was waiting for someone to mail them to me. And, um, <laughs> Delaware, yeah. right? Delaware. Yeah. <laughs> and so I slept most of that trip because you coming off of meth takes a lot of sleep. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, we had a brief, I said at one point, this is a law, and my dad was in, was he four years or seven years into the program by then? But I, he, I said, you know, this is the longest I've ever been sober. And he got a little bit excited. And then I was like, oh, I'm not saying I'm going to be sober. I'm just saying that I have observed that I'm laughing and I'm smart and all these things that I had kind of attributed to meth. But I'm realizing that maybe these are just my things. And I discovered them while on meth. And, but I'm not getting sober. So don't come at me with that. And so when he took me and dropped me off at the um, airplane, he said, if you get home, if you get back to Portland and realize that things are a little stale, you have a home here. 
And if he had said any other language, because it, the lifestyle that I was living was so insane that like, you know, most people would use language like desperate or painful or whatever, but to say <laughs> stale, uh, anyone who knows me knows if you want to get in my head, imply that I'm doing something I've already done. And mm -hmm. so, cause I'm extremely hipster when it comes to reality. Um, and so I got home and, you know, got robbed and the boyfriend was sleeping with the ex and all, you know, the drama. And I went, oh, dang, I've done all of this. This is in fact stale. And I got clean within weeks, a couple of weeks I left. Um, so nice. yeah, I, I'm internally grateful that my parents were both recovering addicts because they never did an intervention. I'm pretty anti-intervention. They never did. They never drug me to rehab. They didn't. They didn't jump in and rescue me. You know, they they made me work to get to put my life back together. So they gave me a little bit of assistance, but it was like I had to pay thousands of dollars to get my driver's license back. Like they paid for it, but I had to pay them back. You know, mm -hmm. um, and I I see a lot of people's parents trying to rush their kids through the pro through the addiction process, the cycle, and they create a lot of if you make someone get clean before they're done, there goes that light again, um, and they fail, they will start to believe that they can't get clean when, in fact, you just can't get clean right now because you're not done. Exactly. Yeah. As they say, when you're ready. And uh, I also think it's fascinating that your, as you call it, alien encounter or Tim Dillon, what did he call it? Alien school. Alien school. school. That is uh, that happened during in the middle of your addiction, right? You had a near death experience. Yeah, I was less than one year in. Oh wow! Yeah, and I, uh... the experience was uh, yeah. Maybe you could share it with the audience because uh, the blue ball and all that, and the download, if you would, from uh, the the otherness out there. I um, I I was always seeking, and that was part of what 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 I found like I was going to find on meth because it made the veil very thin. It made mm. reality not feel real. And it already didn't feel real to me. So it felt like reality synced up with how I felt. And so I was also doing a lot of like psychedelics and club drugs and stuff, which when you're tinkering mm. with a lot of that stuff, you know, it gets even thinner. And um, it was right after Y2K. I want to say it was the 10th or 12th of January, 2000. I was at a club called the Ohm. <laughs> And, uh, I just passed out and, um, you know, foamed at the mouth and was rushed to the hospital in a, in a taxi cab. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know how I died. I have a couple of theories and, um, and I don't know how long I was dead or anything else. The doctor was very rude when I woke up because the people who had followed me to the hospital informed them that I was on drugs, 2000. They don't give a shit about you if you died on drugs. And so um, I went, uh, while I was passed out, I went to, I was just in this big blue ball. And I understood that the ball was the home that I had always been homesick for. I said that just homesickness running in the background. Like, I'm not from here. And, um, didn't have a body, but I was an individual, I, what I would now call an individuated consciousness. I, I got that language. I was myself, but I was also one with this ball and, uh, it spoke and not in words, but my brain, I felt my brain translate it to words when I came to, and it said, you did everything you came to do. You learned everything you went to learn. Uh, you can stay here if you want, but if you want to go back, you can 
we got a job for you. And so I, the thing that always struck me was that the, the desirable thing was to stay, you know, it was almost like you can be let off the hook. Um, so we went back and forth a little bit and then I had to live my entire, I opted to go back, had to live my entire life to get to the present moment. And so I was a baby, then I was a toddler, then I was a teenager. Mm. So I guess that's what your life flashing before your eyes, but it wasn't before my eyes. I was in it. I was in my body. It was actually very jarring. I was sucking my thumb when I woke up. And uh, before that, I believed myself to be a backslidden Christian because in my seeking I did a five-year stint in born-again Christianity. And so uh, I kind of traded that out for stand-up comedy and eventually math. But I still <laughs> very much believed in Jesus. That, that whole thing still vibed with me. I didn't, I didn't buy into the – I struggled with the, the you know, shitting on women and, and, and authority. It's never really been my thing. But um, I was down with JC. And anyway, so that I was like, oh my God, I get it. God, we're God. We're a part of God. I understand it fully now. And so um, I then for the next five days was unconscious in and out of what I would now call the hypnagogic state Mm -hmm. um, where I met the aliens and the aliens were like, we'll be your guides. Um, And basically they said that the... I knew this in the ball. I don't know how to explain this. I knew this in the ball. I would say like the, the the ball told me this, but like, it's really hard to explain when you're in that consciousness. You're just like, you just know things, you know, they don't communicate. Communication is very clunky and it's not how we do it anywhere else. Um, But basically uh, the reality that we had been living in, that earth was a stage where we play. And the reality that we had been living in, the game that we had been playing, was a dichotomy-based, um, duality-based, like right, wrong, like dark, good and bad, whatever, um, masculine, fear-based reality. And we were shifting. We were about to shift into a completely different reality. That reality was going to die. And um, we were moving into a feminine, love-based reality where everything's one. One of the things they said is uh, light and dark will cease to exist. Good and bad will cease to exist. Male and female will cease to exist, which was like wild in 2000 to hear. Now it's pretty obvious what's happening. Um, and, uh, basically they said I would help to unite a tribe of, um, galactic beings who had seated themselves into the reality to help orchestrate the shifts. And so, you know, all of that was going through my own categories of reason at the time. What I now know is, uh, you know, basically just means I would be talking into a microphone to inspire people to do their own healing because just healing while in the, while planted in this grid, uh, shifts the reality for everybody. That's the cliff notes. Great cliff notes. Yeah. So, and it's interesting, but we call them aliens, but uh, is that really the appropriate word? I mean, because when I listen to you talk about them, I, I think of, I don't know if you ever read like John Keel, The Mothman Prophecies. He he talks about the super spectrum and there are these beings that appear as angels one time and as appear as uh, aliens in our days, but ultimately they have a completely different morality. Although John, I think, uh, takes a different, he thinks that they're just uh, 
their their cosmic shit posters. They like to screw with humanity. <laughs> they like to help humanity, but it's kind of like the trickster god, Prometheus or Hermes, or it's whatever they feel like feel like, and we have to do it. But with yours, they seem the same, but they're actually benign, right? Yeah, these are Syrian uh beings uh which i apparently also am and um they so they are ninth dimensional syrian beings and all this shit's pretty arbitrary right because we're all just part of one my understanding is uh, part mm -hmm. of one uh thing at the top but we express in a million different ways and so it's it's essentially alchemy to have the syrian influence for this thing on earth but like ultimately most of us are just like playing this game from you know we've been pleiadians whatever and so they do i i kind of call them aliens because it's funny um but they are they literally look like aliens but they are not like martian you know um the the mainstream understanding of what aliens are is pretty limited and doesn't resonate so either galactic beings would be a better way to put it but um part of uh what i have found is that once language has been used um a certain way you kind of have to turn it on its head. i've just always called them the aliens but it's it's kind of tongue-in-cheek i mean it's i'm kind of they literally are aliens, but they're not what other people are, are referring to as aliens. Everyone else calls them guides, but I'm, this is so cheesy. My guides. <laughs> we won't get you on a new age tangent. Well, yeah. we maybe, may, I might later on because <laughs> I have, I have my thoughts too. And I've ragged on new age and most religions on my podcast forever and ever. And uh, after you got this download, did you ever, two things. Did you ever wonder, was I looking for them or was I chosen? And two, you still you still stayed, you were still out as a drug addict even after this incredible experience. Um, the drugs really helped with what I had to do with them. Mm -hmm. Once again, totally not reckon. Nobody else has experienced this. This was very specific to me. Um, I it would have been very difficult to to dive in and kind of learn everything that I learned with them and try to like exist in, in society. Um, also the hypnagogic state for me, because I was a, a meth addict that ate and slept, but the hypno like sustaining a night of hypnagogic, you know, sleep, uh, pretty easy to do on meth. Um, so yeah, for me, it just, I did, that's like where I got, I was trained and then I, I just kind of graduated. So, you know, could just be meth and do schizophrenia as I have no problem considering sometimes it's, it's stuck around for an awful long time, but, um, what well, you asked one other thing and I lost it. Uh, did you think you were chosen or were you seeking them out or a oh. little of column A, a little of column B? When I was a kid, I knew that we were in some sort of ant farm. 
some sort of TV mm -hmm. show that our lives were a movie and that the stars were watching the movie. And that was not anything anyone said to me. And it was just kind of, you know, something I knew to be true. So I was 14 or 15 years old before I stopped turning off the lights. When I changed my clothes, I didn't want them to watch me get dressed. And, um, and then I just knew that like, I don't think you guys know when the, you know, you get old enough that they're like, Santa's not real. Also magic's not real. And you know, whatever humans are it. And I was like, I don't think this is right. And so I was, a, I was seeking for sure. And, um, I thought I was chosen for a bit. And then I eventually realized that I am one of them mm -hmm. and that I was, um, you know, you, you forget who you are when you get here. And so I was, they're just my friends. Like the, the aliens are just my friends and, um, they're just on the other side of the physical reality, kind of helping me through things. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so yeah, not chosen, just kind of like, this is the game that I wanted to come play. Yeah, and I'm glad you're now uh, sharing it with others. And what would you say is an addiction if uh, you had to define it? Obviously, you and I were in AA and then give us, you know, analogy of the body and obsession with the mind. It's a mystery. But what do you tell your clients, other people? What is an, addic an addiction? I mean, you and I had completely different experiences uh, in our addictions. I didn't have any mystical. I, well, I, that's not true. I did have a lot of hallucinations and vision. Oh, never mind for another time. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's time for me to remember that shit. <laughs> I, um, I think it's different for different people. Uh, I know that a lot of people are seeking, um, substances to escape pain, you know, yeah, to numb out. Pain, yeah. yeah. I do not enjoy numbing out. And one thing about meth is it will amplify the pain. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have drama and you do some meth, it's like, ah, and you have to face it. You have to go into it. I've only ever liked uppers. Uh, I drank Dang. for uh, one year of my entire life. I drank the year I turned 21. I drank a couple forties in my, in my teen years, but I don't like being numbed out. I don't like, I, I was disillusioned with reality. And so I was looking for the door and that was it. And once I found the door, you know, I, well, I did it for four more years and then I don't, you know, now it's like, I don't have the desire to do psychedelics for, you know, therapeutic reasons. And I don't, I like to be sober. I enjoy it. I enjoy I found what I was looking for inside of myself and here on earth. And I don't want to be altered. Um, but I think it's different for a lot of people. I think for a lot of people, it is, uh, you know, a, um, it is a shame thing, you know, it, it is a desire to escape. It is a, uh, it's a desire to shut down the voices in your head. It is a feeling, um, apart from everyone else. I think we will see a massive dip in what we call addiction in the next decade um, because we are finally getting language for all these things. We're realizing that, it, you know, we have an epidemic of, of mental health stuff and that it's not, I don't personally believe, and I'm not a doctor, so who gives a fuck what I believe, but 
I think it is that the society is set up in a way that doesn't, it is not conducive for humans being humans. And I think that if you aren't, if any part of you is, is not, you know, we're born and raised to kind of, and programmed to just kind of work in someone's factory is, is really Mm. what it is. Our morals are about that. And, you know, it's just, we have all this program and it's not conducive to the way that like energy works specifically for someone who is creative or artistic. And so it just, it's the dissonance is so strong that I think that people, they alter to opt out and that as we get more information and become more empowered to make our own decisions, to follow our own energy, we will realize that we don't have to alter to opt out. We can just simply opt out. Just say, no, thanks. (laughs) <laughs> I don't want to work in your factory. So I'm not yeah. going to believe I'm lazy because I want to rest for a fucking day, you know? <laughs> yeah. It'd be like Elton John's yellow brick road or one of those or super tramps, the logical song or whatever song you like, but you can actually live it. And feel yes. It. I, uh, I like your definition of awakening Jessa, because you simply say, because it means in the context, it doesn't matter where you are in your life. It just, you call it a, a cleaning process, a deprogramming. I think that's where you, we should all start is how do I deprogram myself? Because I'm a fucking walking robot. Most yeah. of the time. Oof. Yeah. It's a lot. It takes a really long time. I, you know, some people, I do a lot of sessions with people who are like, I'm stuck. And I'm like, when did you start to wake up? And they say last April. And I go, Oh, <laughs> long journey ahead we all you're not stuck you're in it the only way is out is to play through so (laughs) yeah it's it's an incredible amount of work but uh that is again the programming is so it's so hard and intense and why the programming why did we humans do that i mean there was a million other options do you think this is still fallout from atlantis or something else took over in our culture at some point well, to get uh, wildly woo, what I am, what the, the theory I'm currently working with, because I'm still, un- I didn't understand what dimensions or timelines or any yeah. of this shit meant three years ago. Um, uh, as we play these different games here on Earth, which I, my understanding is that it's pretty arbitrary. It's just we are limitless beings. And uh, limitless sparks of consciousness. And uh, we just create worlds to see what it would be like. It's very experimental. And it's, um, and then we wipe out civilizations. And we are currently in the midst of civilization being wiped out slowly. (laughs) Um, We usually like, this is the end. People need to accept this. We are at the end of a civilization. There's nothing wrong with that. We had our time. Yeah, I mean, we did it. We're it's just us. That's the other thing that the aliens were like. You guys were the dinosaurs. It's the same. It's the same <laughs> energies. We're the dinosaurs. We're the whatever. And so you're you're kind of grieving a version of yourself. It's a mass ego death, but like death's not real. So you know, it's a shedding of some avatars. It's some interesting things. I, my understanding is some interesting things are going to happen where we we're not necessarily shedding these avatars. Um, a lot of us that we. Uh, we're on a very short reincarnation cycle for this game um, mm-hmm. because 
because of the parameters of the game with the masculine and the duality and the everything else, you kind of have to die every, you know, 80 years because the, up until very recently, people didn't grow, didn't grow. They didn't, they didn't shed their ego while still in the avatar. So like, you know, when I, I was born in the seventies, when I was a kid, people truly believed that people don't change because like fuck tons of people didn't change who you were when you were 20 is who you were when you were 80. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when people aren't evolving, uh, you have to just like kill them. You know, they have to die quicker. So we have shorter reincarnation stages when we are dead asleep and then longer when we're awake. Anyway. Um, I go on these tangents and then I don't remember what I was. Or, oh, so this specific age, we disconnected the emotional body from this and just lived through the mental body and specifically through the ego. The third dimension, my understanding is the ego. So uh, this is what happens when there's no emotional body, when the feminine energy is suppressed. I mean, it just, it, it just specific. Um, think about the days where, and this will, this is, will lead to addiction where you're not checking in with your body. You're not checking in with your feelings and you're just letting your mind fucking ruminate. Uh, I mean, is that not hell on earth? Right. Prison for your mind is. And so I don't personally super subscribe to this idea of an externalized enemy with agendas. It's there. It is there. That's definitely a game you can opt into. But ultimately, there is nothing outside of us that we are not a part of. And that that is externalized enemy agendas, whatever you want to think. Everyone has an agenda. And um, some people's agenda is to accumulate power, whatever. Um, but all of that and the greed and the, and the, and the money shit and the disease, it's, it's all comes down to a massive imbalance between the ego, the mental space and the emotional space and a, and a dominance of masculine energy. Not that if we were dominantly feminine, there wouldn't be a different form of, of toxicity, sheer chaos, I think. But, um, (laughs) so as the divine feminine is rising and we are all getting tuned into our own, just the idea of like, uh, believing that like beings some beings have masculine energy some beings have feminine energy that you don't have both i mean it's also it's insane it's an insane way to play we're completely cut off from who we actually are and how energy actually works and so it just to me feels like uh the aliens when i uh first was in alien school talked about entropy all the time um where we create realities and then uh, they're kind of cool in the beginning and they eventually evolve to the point that they eat themselves. They self-destruct. And that's just where we're at right now. So everything's just so ridiculous because we did it. It's like done. And now it's just looping. It's just like a fucking scratch CD. It's grating as hell. So we are simultaneously, um, in the birth canal of the new world and in the, in the death process of the old world. And, you know, you can be in both of those at any point in the in the day. But for some reason we, you know, opted out of a um meteor. Meteor, I can never say that word. Um, or a tsunami or whatever we usually do to take us out. So we were like, well, why don't we just die slowly over the course of 15 years? That'll be fun. <laughs> 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. And it's interesting because most of my friends like you and others who have, I don't want to say the word psychic, because again, again, like alien, the words fail us. And I think we need, an, hopefully we're getting yeah. a new language for these things. I'd say individuals with open channels. And that's the best I can do right now. I like that. But they're very positive about what's even, but they're very positive about what's coming down the pipe. Even if it's the end of an age, everybody's very positive. So I'm excited, but at the same time, part of me doesn't want to believe it. But at the, and at the same time, I'm like, yeah, everybody needs sort of the surly Gnostic in the corner to you know, <laughs> keep everybody honest and edgy. But at the end of the day, you see this is all leading to something very positive soon. Yeah. And the, from- yeah, I think 2027, we'll, we'll, we'll know. No. It'll be a completely different. <clears throat> different uh reality than we're currently living in and if that seems improbable uh find go find some documentation of who you were in 2015 and go watch something you know i somebody told me you might have been the one told me uh woodstock 99 are you the one that told me that was like Mm -hmm. you know literally just go watch something from 10 years ago and realize like how far we've come and how much we've shifted society. I'm not saying everyone's going to die. There's a difference between the end of civilization and like all life being wiped off the planet. But I do think that there's a a shift and I don't get too far into this because I don't, uh, I like to decide how crazy I sound publicly, but there is a shift happening and um, it earth will be hospitable for some and not for others. And I don't, and that's not like a hierarchy thing. That's more or less like who decided to stay and play for uh, whatever. And I don't really, you know, I don't get too far into that stuff because it doesn't matter. You know, nobody's guaranteed shit. I don't know if I'm staying. Yeah. Yeah. We today, today is the end of the world as far as I'm concerned most of the time. Yeah. And that's that's a good place to live. So I can't, uh, I can't complain too much, but again, we're all, like you said, we're here playing a game and in your, and again, 
I hate this word too, clients, but the yeah. individuals who you help out—I <laughs> <laughs> gotta, gotta come up with a new language. Uh, what is their biggest concern or fear or fear? What do you see? What are you working with mostly with people these days? I, mostly deprogram right now, deprogramming codependency mm. and um, internalized capitalism. Good so, points. I was yeah. just listening to your podcast today, and I, of course, yeah, I had to remind myself of codependency. When I went into rehab, Jessa, in the what late 90s, uh, of course, the idea of codependency would never, I rejected it as, again, a solar male at the time. And But when I went into uh, rehab and there was some guy, some gang member, reading a book by Anthony DeMello, Awakening, and I was just like, you know, beaten up. Well, what are you reading? And this gang member reading his uh, this book, uh, this New Age book goes, oh, this really helped me with my codependency. I was like, give me that damn book. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, if this guy's, you know, sold and yeah, went down the journey of codependency, what would you say? Addiction to people? Is that another form of addiction? Um, I, I was in a full-blown... Uh, what's really funny is I started the podcast soberish to be a recovery podcast and then I didn't like it. So I was in the process of shifting it to a like woo podcast. And, um, I put on an episode that was, I think called not an addicts. Um, if not, that's my, I did an episode of Mormon and the method of that, but the following week I found out that I was in a balls out codependent meltdown, active addiction. And I didn't, I thought codependency meant either the thing where people are enabling an addict or um, I thought it meant uh, you're afraid to be alone. And I love to be alone. Mm -hmm. I'm not, so. I'm almost always in a relationship, but I have a very long relationships and it just kind of happens. I fall in love, but I, um, I, lo I love to be alone. You know, I'm, I'm introverted. And so um, I just never even looked into it. But uh, I was in one of these relationships where I wanted to be in the relationship they didn't. And I kept trying to, you know, earn their love or whatever. And uh, I, I was out of my mind at this point. And so I was... Um, feverishly watching YouTube tarot videos, which is something that mm -hmm. someone does when, when they're codependently out of balance. And uh, they kept saying, whoever's watching this right now is very co is codependent. I'm getting big codependent energy. And so I was like, I'm going to Google that. And I Googled it. And um, yeah, I found a book called Codependency for Dummies. Codependent mm -hmm. No More is another one that people talk about, yeah. but Codependency for it, Dummies yeah. uh, is, for me, it's, I'm not much of a reader. And so it's very helpful when the page has a bunch of graphs and then like changes the font sizes. I have extreme ADD. And so anyway, I, I found out about things like secret low self-esteem, uh, trying to rescue people and fix people so they don't leave. And I just, I, I like all of a sudden, all my dynamics opened up and I was like, oh my God. And so as I went through this journey and healed this for myself, I was able to get out of this situationship and I, you know, realized that I had some codependency stuff with my siblings. And um, I realized that the reality that we are coming out of is inherently codependent. It's externally focused. And anytime you are externally focused and externally um, 
experiencing your reality rather than an internalized version, it is codependent. You're dependent on your external circumstances when you are reactive to your environment, which is actually a feedback loop because we are actually just only experiencing our own individual projections. And so reality currently is inherently codependent in any in every way possible. And, and so much of the awakening journey is internalizing your validation, your autonomy, your authority, your, um, what is it? It's enemies, authority, and validation. Um, and that's a big part of the shift is we're shifting from an externally experienced reality to an internally experienced reality, which is why we'll get to see like magic and levitation and everything else is because, uh, we won't be in a feedback loop. Currently, if you experience something, you go see, there's proof that that, and it's like, no, no, it's just proof that you projected that out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think materialism is over. I think telepathy and these other gifts are uh, one, uh, one time this stuff was very scientific and I think uh, we need to get back to it, but it's, but it seems just so that codependency might be even more dangerous than drug addiction. Cause I'm, for example, looking at your life, you still kept your sort of uh, core Jessa through an addiction but when you get addicted to people, isn't that the danger? You you can just vanish. Lose yourself. Just, Lose just completely. yourself. Yeah. You're, there's no you anymore. Nothing. Just no. pain I mean, and bullshit. <laughs> I'm finding examples every day of ways in which I make myself small. I seem like someone who marches to the beat of her own drummer because I am, but my, I don't have boundaries. I'm just learning boundaries right now at 44 years old. I used to carry myself like someone who wouldn't take your shit when I, in fact, very much take your shit, but because I carried myself like that, people wouldn't try it, you know? Um, and so, but that, that like wall, that external gate kept me from being able to experience a lot of things. I had a lot of shame about my own sensitivity and emotions. And so as I started to let that wall down, I realized that I actually meld. I'm very impressionable and I meld with my reality and I have a a huge fear of people being mad at me. And so as I'm realizing this, I have like a platform and a lot of people paying attention to me and in, in, and a lot of people who had expectations of like mm-hmm. what I was, which is odd. It's odd to start to follow someone and then decide what you, t- like, what are you following me for? You know, you're following me from my perspective. Anyway, it wasn't bad. It's been very bad for other people. It wasn't that bad for me, but um, it did. People were projecting onto me and, you know, uh, I think because I'm touching on a lot of these things like trauma and, and awakening mm-hmm. and stuff people would start to project onto me and make me responsible for their stuff. And then I would be like, Oh, okay. And I'm like trying to fix people's fucking stranger shit. And, uh, while being just decimated by Lyme disease. And so I realized that the Lyme disease being overtaken by these microbes was very similar to, or very, it was, uh, an allegory for being feeling my energy field with other people's energy so i had to learn boundaries i had to learn no i had to learn to tell people like i'm sorry that you feel that way but this is not my shit do you know what i mean i don't i'm i I haven't done anything to you your expectations of me are not my responsibility um and uh i just had a situation this weekend like a personal i i have really limited the amount of like personal relationships i have while i get this figured out uh, because i realized that if i get triggered i 
don't feel well. <laughs> um, and the body so, don't lie. Mm -mm, no. And so I realized that most of us are hypervigilantly taking everyone else's temperature all the time mm -hmm. and um, deciding and navigating what we want to do and what we speak up about. Most people are indirectly people pleasing at all times. And that I realized that that's actually manipulation and that that is actually like, I'm trying to manage your experience by deciding, uh, Oh, I'm not going to tell him that I don't want to do this because I would offend him and blah, blah, blah. So like I'm making, we're all just having like fantasy relationships with people because we're not advocating for ourselves. And then we're like, we end up resentful. And when you really trace it back, it's like, I never even yeah. fucking told him no i just decided that he would have been offended by me saying no and then i did something else and i've been mad at him he doesn't even fucking know what's happening and we're out of our minds <laughs> yeah the whole projection yeah i'm so bad somebody will invite me to something like a wedding or something and then i get pissed off at them don't they know i'm so busy and that i've got how dare yeah. they like they just invited me somewhere but i'm already projecting and creating these scenarios and it gets exhausting sometimes. Yeah, because we don't know that we can just say no. So I yeah. have gotten very good, and this was a, the gift of Lyme disease, is uh, I used to be someone, and you know, because you've tried to do multiple podcasts with me, uh, you're probably not going to get it done on the first schedule. No, <laughs> uh, no, no. Be, Nope, time to, I just like, I had to learn to be like, nope, can't, can't do it today. I think I did, you, I did your podcast last year, yeah, and before. I had brain, I had brain fog, right. and I think that was the last podcast I did. I did two podcasts that week, and then I I didn't guest on another podcast until um, whatever Duncan Trussell in March, because I had brain fog during that episode, and I was like, I don't need a bunch of me with brain fog on the internet. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? We nobody else needs to see this. Um, but it, it was very hard for me as I started to deteriorate to be someone who like wasn't reliable. That's mm. internalized capitalism. You know, that you couldn't count on me, that I wasn't a person of my word. These are all these stupid morals that are just like, people are just walking around going, ha ha ha, I'm the person not of my word. You know, like it's malicious rather than just like people are struggling. And now they're <laughs> at home feeling immense amount of guilt for not being reliable. I hate it. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. It's, oh, it is. It is ridiculous. And what uh, techniques or tools do you have for people? Sometimes I get asked, and I'm like, "Well, I kind of learned from Jessa. I just grabbed from the ether, meditation here, therapy there. I just have this whole menu of shit that comes to me and goes to me, and I just, uh, yeah, everything changes. So I'm always changing." Uh, how, I guess at the end of the day, how, what self-knowledge, what are your tools to tell people about self-knowledge so they can know the cleansing process of awakening? Uh, the biggest thing I want to say is it is an involuntary process. It just happens. So I'm not a big fan of like going and looking for shadow work to do the way that shadow yeah. work happens is you'll have a little dust up in your reality. You'll have conflict with someone outside of you or something. And then I, when it shows up, you'll be uncomfortable. I keep wanting to say discomfortable for some reason. Um, you'll be uncomfortable and then you will resist it for a second. You will contract and then 
recognize that you're contracting because reality sucks when you're contracting and then go into it. So when shit shows up, I don't try to escape it. I just go into it. A lot of times spiritual bypassing is like trying to just throw everything happens for a reason at a, mm -hmm. at a very third dimensional thing and it doesn't go away. Um, go into it, face it, face the things you don't like about yourself. I, as, the quicker I can get to, how am I creating this? And that's not blame. Blame and fault are also just idiotic. It's just a stupid concept. What a waste of fucking time blame and fault are. How am I creating this? Why is this not? Why is this happening from a victim thing? Cause you're in a disempowered state. You're not going to figure it out. But like, what if everything's happening in my best, uh, like, um, for my greater good, why? What is this? And looking at it, observing it, observe your own experience, dig in, mm -hmm. learn the lesson, and then you're going to feel like, oh, you're going to feel great. You're going to be at the, you know, you're going to be downloading and feeling amazing. And then eventually it's going to be time to figure some more shit out. Um, a lot of times we, we believe our programming is us. And so that's a lot of what these deaths are, is this programming that's not in your best interest and it's not benefiting you in any way, is actually hurting you, it comes into conflict. And it's because you're, you're, you're getting these downloads of like your true self, your true essence. And then it's as if you, you got an operating system download into your phone and now your apps are outdated. So your 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 internalized capitalism, your internalized misogyny, your your lack mentality is not doesn't work with this, and so it's time to work through each one of these apps. Um, I don't recommend uh, some fantasy idea that you're just like now I got it. When people first wake up, they go like, oh, I got you know it's it's normal to think you figured it out, and you don't have to get your ass handed to you a few hundred times to realize. My 2021 advice is ask your body. Um, very little of what you need exists in the rumination of your mental space. And so ask your body. I always want to say, ask your thighs. Um, I think it's actually probably located in your gut, but I energetically, it feels like you have to pull people's consciousness even lower to keep them out of their head. Don't time travel. Uh, look down at your feet. Where are you right now? Are your needs met right now? Okay. Cause a lot of like the hellish experiences are based on what you did before or what's going to happen in the future. Okay. What is happening today? Where am I at today? Is there something that I can do to change this actionably? Then do it. Uh, if not, um, then, you know, worry about cross that bridge when you come to it. And the other thing is that, um, reality, the manifestation aspect of the matrix is an algorithm. And that algorithm is currently set until you learn how to set intentions um, it, on what you're paying attention to. Uh, there's a great book called ET 101, a, a book I have read because it's like 12 pages. Um, and uh, it's from the 80s or something. And a line from that is the reality that you experience is none other than an audio visual demonstration of where your attention is. The universe assumes that your attention is on that which you desire and gladly provides you with more of the same. So, uh, it's like being on Instagram, you know, if you're following a bunch of pages, facelifts, a personal favorite of mine, and uh, you're looking at them every day and watching all their content, they're going to start to give you advertisements for facelifts. That's no. not actually happened. Clothing designers, whatever. So it would be absurd for you to be going to pages every single day of things that you hate, but that's what we do. We pay attention to the things we don't like. So understand that the there is no conspiracy against you. The reality is just 
The matrix is just a server coming to your table. If all you ever talk about is your lack, if all you ever talk about is your external enemies, it just, those are the things you engage with. So it brings you more pages that you engage with. Um, and you have to learn how to wallow in gratitude, which is not cheesy forcing yourself to be grateful for things, but really learn how to pay the majority of your attention to that, which you desire so that the universe will provide you with more of that. Anyway, that's my, that's my too long. Didn't read. No, this is, uh, this is <laughs> great. It's helped me out. I know that. And I think it will help the audience. If you check out Jess's work and do her things. One thing I wanted to mention as you were talking is the idea of memories and AA never helped because sometimes, you know, how bad memories will just come up when you're trying to go to sleep or you're walking around. It's like, ah, oh, shit, I stole money from work so I could buy cocaine or I was really rude to this person and broke her heart. And now I realize these things are actually positive. They're for my benefit. They're here to help any good or bad memory is a teaching tool. It's something I need to look at. It's a, <clears throat> a blind spot in my past that I need to investigate to f get the full picture. So these are all good. The idea is you said uh, internalized capitalism, that it's somehow trying to torture me. That was a lie I told myself for a long time and I'm glad it's over. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I've, I've, uh, I intermittently have last year was a big year when I was just uh, chronically depressed and sick. Oh, I just spent entire days with that voice going, do you remember when you did that? Cause I've done a lot. I've lived a lot of life. I've been, I've been several different flavors of awful. And, um, you know, I am someone who has a lot of space for other people's stuff, like a lot mm -hmm. of space. And I, I really don't, I'm not, um, judgmental i do like to shit on things like the new age movement but that's mostly just for for lols you know i just think it's funny um but genuinely like people can come to me from all walks of life and i, I like i am able to embrace and hold space for a lot and I, I believe that's because i am in touch with the parts of me that have been awful you know and uh and all i can do is make the decision every day to not be awful and that's it you know that's really all we can do i think that the ability to look at the things that you've done and face them is uh and i've always preferred the company of addicts i i would say that's just recently shifted i didn't used to trust anyone who hadn't been an addict because i felt like uh people who have lived this life have really faced their darkness and I think that everyone has darkness and the darkness that I really don't like the uh, f feeling of is that nice, that, that darkness is just like boiling under the surface and is so shadowy and that person has no awareness of it. And they're like, and it's like coming out of them sideways. I'd rather someone who's like shot dope in their neck. You know what I mean? <laughs> just like, I'd rather someone who stole their parents' rent. I would just, uh, I would rather someone who's aware of their of their shadow amen because yeah we have to integrate it and as you say the shadow is as much part of us as the the other part so yeah the duality has to end for the better of everyone uh so yeah this has been great as always i truly enjoy talking to you jessa 
and appreciate you coming on Finding Hermes this time. So for the audience and where can they find out more about you? And again, I'll have it on the show notes and I'll make sure it's scrolling across the screen as you talk. Um, uh, Jessery.com has uh, links to everything. I did a podcast with a Mormon called Mormon and the Method years ago. Mm -hmm. Super cringy to me that it still exists on the internet, but it has a lot of these themes. Nothing um, ever goes away on the internet. Oh you know man, that. just so cringy. <laughs> I just like can't even fathom that version of myself that people can look at it. Uh, my current podcast is Awakening OD. It's an eight dimensional being uh, giving you tips for surviving the matrix. I have a Patreon. I don't recommend getting on the Patreon unless you've consumed all the other content and, and think you still like me. Do you know? Um, uh, I do sessions. I also don't recommend doing that unless you've already listened to all this stuff. And for some reason still think that's a good idea. <laughs> don't worry about it. I'm not would, much for would, promotion. Yeah, yeah, I would recommend <laughs> it. Yeah, I know you talked about uh, you were leaving. What I don't know if you wanted to leave stand up or addiction, but you said I'm going to go sell cars. I was like, that yeah. would be just a pivoting <laughs> to sell cars. There she is. Yeah, I've I done a, a little bit of everything. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, you've taught me a lot, and I know our audience will enjoy your insight. So. Thank you very much for uh, coming on Finding Hermes and until we talk again in some platform or another. Thank you so much. Have a great day. And there you have it. Great conversation with Jessa Reed. I really dig her work and I really love what she's doing. And I hope you did too. Uh, she is one of uh, my favorite figures in this sort of new generation of I don't know, I really can't call them occultists or esotericists or even psychics. Maybe call them uh, astronostics or uh, dream time paladins or knights or something like that. But uh, what she's doing definitely works and it is working in this age of Hermes, in this apocalypse of, well, many apocalypses that are happening as we change the age and the world ends in some way or another. So I definitely, and I love the way she pivots through things. Uh, yeah, she definitely has a lot of great context, soberish, um, meth and the meth, what is it called? <laughs> Mormon and the meth head and other stuff. And when she's done, it's done and you won't see any more of these, uh, this type of content or podcast, but you can definitely find them on the internets and I would check it out. And I look forward to whatever else Jessa pivots to in the future. I have been on her podcast and her Patreon a couple of times, and she's got a great tribe of people with some fascinating ideas who, again, are trying to get through this age of Hermes and these weird times that we live in today. One thing I should have mentioned, too, or I wanted to mention, but sometimes you just get uh, raptured in the conversation and the synergy was uh, there is an episode of Sobrish where Jessa talks about manifesting. And this goes to the law of attraction and the, the dreaded, the secret movie or book or whatever the hell it is. And Jessa has some astute insights on this. She says you can manifest. The problem is that people manifest through their thoughts. And, well, you can't trust your thoughts. Thoughts come and go. 
um, as the in Tibetan Buddhism, when I do uh, um, meditation, we see thoughts as simply clouds. They're ephemeral. They're useful. They have a purpose, but you can't count on them, and you certainly can't predict them. On Ayam Bite, I have mentioned studies about how we make decisions long before our conscious mind makes a decision. In other words, uh, study participants uh, find out that the part of the brain that makes decisions, the activity is already there seconds before the conscious mind, the ego, has made a decision about picking something at a store. So when we make, uh, when we try to manifest or do the law of attraction through our thoughts, there's going to be some blowback. Uh, as Bernardo Castrop said, the first directive of the mind is to deceive us. And as I've said before, uh, Hermes is the god of the mind, but he's the god of tricks. We are in a game with ourselves and with the world. So don't go with your thoughts. Um, Jessa further says that uh, when we manifest, we're really manifesting through our beliefs, that uh, conglomeration of, uh, yeah, some thoughts, uh, our, our past, our trauma, our culture, everything else is our beliefs, and it's our beliefs that will uh, probe the universe for what it wants. So what we need to do to manifest better sometimes means changing our beliefs and ironically to change our beliefs we've got to go inward to find our truer self or what our true will is in this uh, life what we really want out of life or why we are here what brings us bliss and ecstasy and then create some new beliefs around it. So again, ironically, it is about introspection. But with these new beliefs, we will be able to really manifest better in the universe. So something to consider. Um, I like what Damien Eccles said in his book, Angels and Archangels. In one section, he says, Where attention goes, energy flows. We want our attention to support our growth and progress, not detract from it. When our minds are full of what we're doing right now, how we're feeling and what we're thinking in this moment, then we can be fully present and create a feedback loop that sustains us, as opposed to sending our energy out into whatever random thought and fear happens to be crossing our minds. Wise advice, Damien, and it fits into what Jess is saying. So change your beliefs if things aren't working out and don't trust your thoughts. They're just clouds or clouds in your coffee, clouds in your coffee, as the song You're So Vain says by Carly Simon. Uh, on this topic, too, I like what Rachel Connerly once told me. She said that another way to manifest is through appreciation. Not exactly gratitude, because gratitude is kind of passive. You're not embedded in the universe, in life, in yourself. But when you appreciate something, you're interacting with it. Like a glass of wine, you can be thankful that there's a glass of wine in front of you at dinner, but to truly appreciate it, you're into the taste. You're into how it tastes with the food and how it fits in with the conversation or the texture of that evening as you're drinking wine. 
So think about appreciation more than gratitude, and you might find manifesting things in your life. But there's nothing wrong with gratitude. Uh, when I was in, when I was on Sam Tripoli's podcast, he talked about how gratitude is one of the greatest forms of magic out there. You write it down, make sure you bring it out uh, from your mind into a piece of paper as an intention, and then that is sent out into the universe, and the universe will respond accordingly. So gratitude is magic, and gratitude is certainly an ego killer if your ego is out of control but appreciation really gets you down into the battlefield if you will if you would lastly i wanted to bring up again uh, the book anthony DeMello. the book anthony DeMello. the book awareness by anthony DeMello. and i called it awakening in the interview because uh, yeah the book is about awakening anthony does say very astutely and simply that spirituality is simply waking up seeing reality for what it is and seeing yourself for what you are with all its potential and well downfalls and misgivings and all that jazz but awareness was a book uh, as i mentioned that opened a door into understanding my own codependence and obviously all addicts are codependent and it really helped uh, really helped me out in a lot of ways and still does of course, check out all the books Jessa mentioned on codependence and uh, other things like aliens. But uh, Anthony DeMello was a Jesuit priest who was also a psychotherapist. And he pivoted to some very Gnostic places as he saw the absurdity of our culture and reality and who we were. And he, at the same time, he also this released uh, a, an understanding of the beauty of different religions a perennialism about how we can understand who we are and get better most people as he says uh just want relief they don't want a cure but he created some he put out some amazing books on comparative religions and mystical insights that uh, really showed how people thrived in this black iron prison as philip k dick called the world one of the central themes, too, in Anthony's book, Awareness, is, well, beyond spirituality is waking up, is, you're an ass, I'm an ass. Again, he, 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 he exposes how absurd our egoic constructs are and uh, the different rules we live in life and how silly our beliefs are at the end of the day and offers advice on how to change beliefs. So highly recommend Anthony DeMello's Awareness and his other books. By the way, his uh, Awareness is based on some lectures, and you can find these lectures on YouTube and other places on the Internet. So check it out. And definitely check out Jess's work, because she's doing uh, amazing work, I think. And you are amazing, too. And I hope this show, as all other Finding Hermesis, or whatever you want to call them, have helped you walk through those doors, lay your cards on the table, and as Mary Magdalene and Joseph Campbell said, become transparent to the transcendent. Thanks for being here.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.